Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. I hope that I am perceived as someone who played some part in in changing uh, the social sexual values of his time and hopefully in a positive way. Well, he certainly did that. Although opinion remains divided on the uh, legacy of Hugh Hefner and whether that legacy represents something positive. But he certainly represented a change. Uh, Hugh Hefner, founder of uh, Playboy magazine, passed away yesterday at the age of 91. As an example, look, I mean, there were people who thought then and think now that the whole enterprise was immoral. There's that side of it. But there's this, for example, a quote from uh, Sarah Kate Ellis, who is the CEO of GLAAD. That Hefner was not a visionary, but a misogynist who built an empire on sexualizing women. And some see him that way. Others see it a little differently. So what was the impact that Hugh Hefner had? How will he be remembered? How should he be remembered? Joining us uh, for some thoughts, uh, Alyssa Rosenberg. Uh, Washington Post, Opinions column writer, WashingtonPost.com joins us. She's got an interesting piece up today on all of this. Alyssa, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me. All right, where, where, where do you come down on the question of, uh, of Hefner's legacy? I mean, this is not a popular answer in uh, I think the media environment, and we're all, which we're all expected to be very definitive all the time, but it's mixed, right? Yeah. I mean, Hefner, through these integrated public parties, he supported black writers like Alex Haley. He published really important interviews with people like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. He was early to support gay rights and to contribute to the fight against things like sodomy laws on the grounds that sexual liberation was for everyone. At the same time, I mean, he's a pornographer, right? You know, he publishes a magazine full of naked women. You can, you know, go either way on whether you think that that's a good thing in helping America get over its hang-ups or whether it contributes to the objectification of women. But, I mean, I think it's complicated. Like, any big life like that is probably inevitably going to be. Um, for me, I think part of what's interesting about Hefner is that he, his life and the issues where he took stances kind of demonstrate where sexual liberation is easy and where sexual liberation is hard. So if your goal in life is to be able to have a lot of consequences consequence-free sex, then of course you're going to support women's reproductive rights. Of course you are going to champion a vigorous response to the AIDS crisis. Um, You know, of course you're going to be for free speech. Where I think things get harder is the question of whether sexual liberation has as many benefits for men as it does for women and whether, you know, in the absence of an environment where men and women are really equal, whether, you know, the sort of libertine lifestyle that Hefner embraced plays out the same way for men and women. And I think in his own life, it didn't, right? I mean, towards the end of his life, he married a third time, but 
before that, he was living in you know, this relationship with a bunch of younger women, all of whom had less money and power than he did, so had to abide by a tight curfew, who couldn't have outside jobs. And, you know, maybe that works for some people. It doesn't seem to have worked for all of them. And so we haven't really resolved some of the questions that his life raised. Yeah, it's interesting because I think in a way, I mean, that he was challenging kind of a patriarchal, puritanical status quo. I think a lot of the people who today would view Hefner maybe as somewhat of a misogynist himself, I mean, they, they were challenging the same thing. They, they were allies in challenging that status quo. Obviously, things have, have diverged considerably since then. Sure, and I think it's important to remember that both you know, puritanism and libertinism can be misogynist, right? You can say that women aren't allowed to have sexual desire, they aren't allowed to work outside the home or be interesting or, you know, um, have sex outside of marriage, and that can be a puritan misogyny. On the other hand, a libertine misogyny can, you know, sort of turn women into fetish objects and say that you're celebrating them for their sexuality, for their bodies, for everything else, even as you're enforcing a very narrow understanding of what's beautiful, what's acceptable. And so, you know, it's not as if puritanism versus libertinism is an either or for women. They each can have their misogynistic consequences. Right. And look, Playboy wouldn't have succeeded if it wasn't meeting a demand, I guess. I mean, obviously, Hugh Hefner has his own version of what's what's beautiful and what he publishes and and the the women he spent uh, spent time with but i mean it obviously sure. resonated too yeah no i mean he's he was a brilliant creator of taste and i one of the one of the things that i've always thought of when i think of playboy is there's this wonderful article in the atlantic in 2007 about sort of the slide from playboy to maxim right mm-hmm. and the author john sabenica you know, said that when he was growing up, the thing that I was was really appealing to him was the Playboy advisor, which, contrary to you know some of the cheesecake shops and stuff, was basically an argument about how to have a sophisticated relationship with an adult woman who was supposed to be your equal. And so I think that you know, the Playboy op- and Hefner himself sort of operated at multiple and sometimes cross purposes. You know, I I don't know how you're supposed to assimilate both the idea that women are sort of there to be looked at and Playboy Advisor urging you to sort of have a more sophisticated approach to the women in your life. But those things coexisted. And the idea that there is some scale that we can weigh out each part of Hefner and Playboy's legacy on and arrive at a completely satisfying neutral calculation is, I think, probably a bit far-fetched. Well, because there's this whole pickup artist movement uh, and the return of kings and Rushby and characters like that, that, that really is fundamentally, I, I think, misogynistic that, you know, women are there to be used and here's how to, to trick women into having sex and, you know, all of this. Would it be unfair to say that Hugh Hefner laid the f- foundation for that? think so. I mean, I think that that's a complicated intellectual legacy. I mean, I think some of the, there's an undercurrent of sort of some much darker stuff that I don't think Hefner would have acknowledged sort of as his intellectual legacy. I mean, you know, I don't know that Hefner would have agreed that, you know, women are out there trying to sort of trap men and that there are these sort of complicated, you know, sociobiological dynamics driving the relationships between men and women and that, 
you know, women should be sort of berated and abused into becoming dependent and sexually available to certain men. So I think, I mean, there's a real, I mean, you know, again, I'm not an expert on that whole subculture, and so I'm hesitant to be definitive, but I do think that certainly there is a kind of a nastiness and desperation that to those movements that doesn't quite jive with the sophistication that Playboy at least tried to espouse during its heyday. Because mm-hmm. I don't think we could we could pin on Hugh Hefner anywhere where he really, really ever articulated that, you know, women should be submissive to men or that women are inferior to men. That That wasn't what he was about. No, and I mean, I think that he, you know... I think his views on women and feminism were complicated. There, you know, there's a great article out there by the woman who was assigned to write the first article on the women's liberation movement for Playboy, who had just an awful experience and ended up withdrawing the article. Um, but you know, I think that the lifestyle that Hefner and the Playboy Club pitched, at least for a while, and I don't know that this is really true by the time you get to his reality show and sort of the end of his life where he's dating women with these huge age differences. But, I mean, I think there was a part of what was appealing to people was the sense of sophistication. You know, this wasn't about, you know, it wasn't about, or at least it wasn't merely about just racking out how many hot women you could sleep with or sort of asserting your own superiority. It was an argument for sort of a confident approach, not just to life, but to women as well, um, that I think is really that sophistication and that confidence is really missing from some of these modern pickup movements that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And even though, I mean, the world today, obviously, it, I think it's hard for younger people to, to appreciate, I guess, how cutting edge Playboy was and how subversive it was that in an, in an era where, you know, you can get on the internet and, and find all kinds of pornography in, in mere minutes or seconds, literally. I mean, it's hard to understand, I guess, how shocking it was and, and, how much social change that that occurred under Hugh Hefner? No, I, that totally makes sense to me. I mean, you know, it's when he died. I went back and read some of Nora Ephron's writing on, you know, sort of fantasies and sexual liberation and the women's movement. And you know, obviously, I only know this academically, not personally. But obviously, the idea that sex was something that you could have a lot of and talk about in a frank way. Um, that was totally taboo, and I think that there are costs to a, you know, blatantly sexualized culture, but there are also real gains to an environment where we can be more honest about what we want and what we're getting and the difference between those two things. Do you think, though, later on, and maybe as, as Playboy declined in relevance, that, that Hefner kind of became almost a caricature of himself? I mean, I certainly think he wasn't culturally cutting edge anymore. You know, to a certain extent, the Playboy Mansion becomes this, you know, it's it's almost nostalgic. It's, you know, he had this sort of hip lounge lizard thing, and I think norms changed a lot around him, and he didn't always evolve with them. It's not a case of, I wish I could go to the party there this weekend. It's, I wish I could have gone to the party there 30 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, everything I've heard about the current state of the Playboy Mansion sounds pretty disgusting to me, but would I have liked to go to one of the televised parties he was throwing where he had, you know, great cultural icons there and sort of a more sophisticated vibe? Yeah, I would have gone to one of those a million years ago. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Really interesting, Alyssa. We'll leave it there much more at uh, watchnewpost.com. Thanks so much for making some time for us here. Appreciate this. 
Thank you for having me. Take care. Uh, that's Alyssa Rosenberg, writes for the Washington Post, WashingtonPost.com. So as she said, I think it's fair to say, it's not really a cop to say, it's a, it's a complicated legacy that Hugh Hefner leaves. But he had an impact. I mean, he was a cultural icon, no doubt about him. 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.